the, the uh, teaching that I'm going to give is called the I Wars of God. So what I want to do first is just give a brief context of the book, uh, uh, book of Isaiah. See, Isaiah the prophet was a prophet sent by God to prophecy about both the demise and restoration of Israel uh, and their return to the land and the, salvation of the, and the salvation of Israel through the coming Messiah, about the judgment of the Gentile nations and about the salvation of the Gentile nations as well through the Messiah. The book itself was written around the 8th century B.C., so it's around 700 years before Christ. The book is sometimes called the Bible in miniature because it contains uh, the over, over sort of overarching story of the whole of Scripture, which is that God is holy, that we are not, and that we need salvation through the Messiah, who is God himself. Hallelujah. The book has 66 chapters, as the Bible contains 66 books. Chapters 1 to 39 are primarily about the activity of man. And chapters 40 to 66 are primarily about the activity of God and his uh, salvific purposes. So the text for today is Isaiah 41.10. Uh, That's Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's just pray. Precious Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises that never fail. Oh Lord, I just pray that you would help me right now as I deliver your word to these people, Lord. Oh Lord, you've helped me so much in studying these things and I pray that you would help them also. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So I want to give a brief context of this verse. At this time, the kingdom of Judah, which was comprised of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and also uh, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, had been taken into captivity in Babylon, which they were sent because of their sinful behavior, their rebellion and idolatry, which they, which they uh, carried out in, in, the, in, in the land of Jerusalem or Israel. They remained in captivity for about 70 years, and Isaiah prophesied a time of great hardship for their sins, during which, in which time many would turn their hearts back to God. And it's at this point we find ourselves. After suffering great discipline and disaster for their sins, Judah now are experiencing dejection because they are no longer suffering for their sins, but now they are suffering because of their faith. And it's in this time that God encourages them. And he gives them great promises. I will focus on three of those promises and look at how they apply to God's people today under the new covenant. So three main points. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. No, sorry, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In saying these words of encouragement through the prophet, which were given 150 years before the event actually even happened. God is reminding Israel that he is sufficient to strengthen them in their time of distress, to help them in their time of need, and to uphold them when they are feeling faint-hearted and weary. They had been in a strange land for 70 years and could not see an end to their hardship. And also they were suffering the fear that comes with not knowing what the future holds. 
This is why God had to really give them an understanding of, of who he was and said, let them know that, that the time of punishment had come to an end and that God was going to deliver them from this captivity. But God had to remind them that this gigantic task could only and exclusively be carried out by a gigantic God. God is gigantic. He is large and in charge. He is awesome. He is powerful. He is all wise. And we read in chapter 40, uh, 12 to 31, these things. God sets out his qualifications for the task. It says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Do you know that the earth is 70% water? That's uh, twice the amount of land mass. And God says he measures that in the, cu- in the cup of his hand. And says, and marked off the heavens with a span. When it speaks of the heavens here, it talks about space, as we know, which is constantly expanding. It's millions upon millions of light years in distance. And God says he measures that with the distance, distance between his, his thumb and his little finger. This is a great God we serve. It says, enclose the dust of the earth in a measure and weigh the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? You see, all the knowledge that we have, we get from someone or something else. But who made God understand? No one. He always knew. Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you, can, will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it uh, for, in silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks, out a, he seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out the, their host by number, calling them out by name. 
by the greatest of his might, uh, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? May, what, may my way be hidden from the Lord, and my right, and my right is disregarded from God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up on up with wings like eagles. So God was given a picture of how great he is, giving his qualifications for this gigantic task. So now going back to the, the, the scripture um, that I want to deal with from uh, Isaiah 41.10. So God is promising Judah that he will strengthen them and help them and uphold them. And he says to them in light, in light of explaining who he is, so just like I explained, that he, they may know God is both willing and able to complete this massive task of delivering them from the exile. And that he is able to give them supernatural strength in their time of hardship and to make them stand firm and resolute while they wait on him. So, as it was for Judah, so it is for us. Scripture tells us, now these things happen to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come 1 Corinthians 10 11 so how did this how does this relate to us as the children of the new covenant how does it relate how does it relate to the, the, the church of Christ so in light of who God is we uh, you know we have to look at these verses in light of who God is so we have not been exiled for our sins like Judah was. But we will still suffer many things in a foreign land which we call the world and go through hardship and difficulty. And when we are going through these times, the three I wills of God should encourage us. So God says to you, believer, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you I will uphold you, so I would help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So these promises are both ours and theirs. Through Christ, God's strength, help and support are always available to us in difficult times, in times of need. Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This scripture is usually, is very often taken out of context, but it's talking about being able to face every circumstance through Christ. And Paul is essentially saying, like I said, God is able to give us the strength we need to endure in difficult seasons of life. If we are struggling at home or at work 
or struggling against some sin or some difficulty in our life, whatever it may be, listen to this. Through Christ, you do not have to be a victim of your circumstance. Referring back to Isaiah 41.10, I will strengthen you, says God. I will strengthen you. Paul says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And goes on to talk about putting on the whole armour of God to stand against the schemes of the devil which come in many forms. We are commanded here to be strong, not in our own strength, but in whose strength? In the strength of his might. In the strength of his might. Amen. Isaiah 41.10 says, I will strengthen you, says God. Paul also says in Ephesians 3.16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being. The strength that we need always and exclusively comes from God. What we need to do is to believe this and let that belief inform our actions. So when we're going through difficult times, hard times, whatever it may be, you know what you're going through. You know what, you're, what you've been through. It is this that should inform our actions. I will strengthen you, says God. I will strengthen you. But through Christ, God, God not only gives us strength, but he also gives us help. John fourteen twenty six says this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God the Father has provided us constant help. If you're a believer here today, in fact, the source of help dwells within us. If you are a Christian, like, like I said, you have access to constant help because God, the helper, God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you and is both willing and able to help you. The word helper in Greek means an aider or assistant. So the, the imagery I've got in my mind is like a, a strapping young uh, guy that's helping an old woman across the street. We, we are the old woman and the Holy Spirit is a strapping young guy which is able to help us in times of need. And not only that, but he points us to, to Jesus uh, to enable us to recall his word in times of need. So referring back to Isaiah 41.10, I will help you, says God. I will help you. Acts 26.22 says this, To this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses have said uh, would come to pass. Paul said this in a very distressing time. The Jews wanted to take his life. How many of us had, have been in fear of death for preaching the gospel or believing the gospel? I can say, I, 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 I'm sure I can safely say that nobody has. I think we can all agree, though, that Paul was going through a difficult time. But Paul didn't allow this to stop him. He was able to draw on the help that comes from God, which is available to every believer, by the way, 
to continue living the Christian life, to continue doing what God called them to do. I don't know about you, but in, in my experience, there have been situations and circumstances where I've been kind of um, taken off course um, and I haven't drawn on the help that comes from God. But in this case, Paul didn't do that. And this is written down as an example for us that in difficult times, we have to draw on the help that comes from God to continue doing what we are called to do and not, not to be sidetracked or go off rail. And we do that by trusting in God's ability to help us. So referring back to Isaiah 41.10, I will help you, says God. I will help you. So through Christ, God not only strengthens us, helps us, but he also upholds us with his righteous right hand. God upholds us through Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8.34 says this, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I think it's safe to say here that Christ himself, he is for us the righteous right hand of God by which we are upheld. He is still active in heaven on our behalf to ensure that we are able to stand. I can just imagine him just saying to God, you know, if someone's struggling, Lord, you know, you know, God, help, help that believer, you know. He's still interceding for us. He's still trying to, you know, he's still praying for us in, in a sense, to God. So no matter what you're going through, remember that Jesus is on your side. He's upholding you. And he's making intercession for you. Hebrews 7.25 says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And that he is able to make us stand, Romans 14.4. So referring back to Isaiah 41.10, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, says God. So these promises of God are available to every believer. There is no situation that's too difficult that you cannot overcome because we have the God of the universe on our side. The one who cannot lie. The one who is faithful to the end. God makes more than just these three promises in Isaiah 41.10. In fact, if you read the uh, chapter in Isaiah 41, you'll see that he makes some other promises as well. So what I want to do is just go through them um, because they really encouraged me. And I just want to also encourage you as well. So in verse 10, he says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In verse 17, it says, I will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Verse 18, it says, I will open rivers on the bare heights. I will make the wilderness a pool of water. That means God will refresh you in times of barrenness. Verse 19 says, I will put the wilderness, um, I will put in the wilderness, sorry, the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. And I will set in the desert the cypress, the, the, uh, the plain, and the pine together. So in a place of barrenness, God will bring forth fruitfulness and life. 
God will bring forth um, refreshing, like I said before. So this is our inheritance in Christ. This is the glory of the new covenant. This is our portion as believers in Christ Jesus. So be encouraged. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our strength, that you are our help, and that you are able to uphold us with your righteous right hand. God, help us to remember these promises, Lord, and to allow these these promises to inform our actions. Lord, increase our faith. Help us, Lord God, to live out this Christian life, trusting only and exclusively in you, in your power and ability. And help us to remember that you are an awesome God. You are the one who measures the waters of the earth in the palm of his hands. You are the one who marks out the heavens with a span. Lord God, you are great. You are awesome. And help us, Lord, to remember these things and to live out this Christian life solely and exclusively for you. In Jesus' name, amen.